0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, holy frickin' shit, we're happy to be back. Uncle Train, the big dog, Matt from Hoboken, absolutely zero joke and will be tolerated on this podcast. We are probably one of the most serious podcasts on Spotify, on Apple Apple Podcasts. Um, Just want to remind everyone that we are, in fact, a global podcast. We got less than 5% listeners, whether they are bots or not, in... Germany, Ukraine, Poland, Russia, uh, Japan, and I believe Korea. Um, As well as 2% in Scotland. Big shout out to Sharon and Dan. So, what can I say? The boys are back. Uh, It's been, up until the last week or so, a fairly cold stove instead of a hot stove. But plenty of shit to talk about. You know how we do it. You love how we do it. And you gotta suck it regardless of how we are doing it. Big dog... Anything to
1: add? Matt from Hoboken? No joking at all. Anything else to add? I mean, happy to be back. It's like we never left because we did record a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the the Twitter feed, the sources were correct. We were dropping an episode just a few weeks ago. Um, but unfortunately, the sound for myself and Mr. No Jokin himself, both of us were off big time. Uh, and here we are re-recording, but it's a uh, blessing in disguise, folks, because now we got a lot of action. As Uncle Train said, the stove is starting to get hot. Blessing in disguise, we're And it's not cooling down anytime soon, no folks. Siree. So happy to be here and excited to talk about the, Come on. the Mets and the Yankees, who are both making some serious noise in the offseason so far. Absolutely. No joking?
2: Hey, just a, a quick rest in peace. To our ghost episode that never made it to the yes. public, yes, but definitely a blessing in disguise. I had some bold predictions that were completely wrong. <laughs> that uh, that will never see the light of day. They in... will never see the light of day, so nobody will ever actually know how wrong I was, uh, which is always good. And uh, I definitely need some aloe vera. Stove yeah, is baby. hot, burned me over the past week. I got. Uh, I, I have an aloe vera plant
0: in my windowsill, it's not looking too great, Um, I'm not a botanist, but hey, what can I say, I'm a Mets fan, I'm a Mets fan, that's my top priority, not botany, so if anybody has some botany tips, I would love to know your take on my botanistical failure of my aloe vera plant that I believe I got from a, a bodega across the street. Maybe that's the reason. You reasoning. love bodegas. You I love am, them so much. Can't get enough of them. Really can't. Bacon, Egg, and chi from a bodega in the Sunday morning. Goddamn. Do me dirty. Without further ado, I believe it is time to talk some Mets. We're talking Yankees, and you know this segment. You love this segment. It's an oldie but a goodie. Season 1 special. We call it Realistic or Real Big duty Stick. Um, so without further ado... <laughs> I believe it is time to hear a little bit of Tommy Rowe Sweet Pea. How we doing? Come on, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're Tonkin' Mets, and you gotta love it. Plenty to talk about. Uh, it's been somewhat of a cold stove, like I mentioned earlier uh, in these earlier months in the offseason, uh, the latter half of November, December, first half of January. We really didn't see jack shit. Um, but tons of things have happened in the land of Mets in the front office and on the uh, player side, some acquisitions, which we will get to. Starting with the front office. Obviously, I don't think we've ever touched on this because we haven't had a chance to record an episode since Steve Cohen, a.k.a. Uncle Stevie, no relation to Uncle Train, officially purchased the Mets um, back in December after being a minority owner since twenty since uh, 2012. So he's been involved you know, for a while, but finally, the richest owner now in baseball... A hedge fund owner in Stanford, Connecticut, 0.72, I believe. Uh, worth upwards of like 14-15 bill. Holy freaking crap, that's a lot of money. And you know how that's much you know how much Uncle Train hates billionaires. He thinks they should not exist. That's the Democratic Socialist coming out. But either way, you gotta respect Uncle Stevie. Uh, he's I I do gotta say just a couple things about Uncle Stevie, a little bit of background information for you, those of you who do not know anything about him. Uh, he is a fellow New York Jew, like Uncle Train and the Big Dung himself. Absolutely not like Matthew from Hoboken, no joking. Uh, hailing from Great Neck, Long Nothing Island. Nothing like me. Nothing like Hoboken. Uh, he hails from Great Neck, Long Island. So, big shout out to my roommate, The Human Tit. Um, Stevie Cohen, he's a philanthropic dude. This dude founded the Cohen Veterans Network, which provides mental health centers for U.S. veterans. So, you got to respect the fact that he respects U.S. veterans. The other thing about him that I got to point out, that I know the Big Dog and Matthew from Hoboken do not want me to linger on this. Steve Cohen has an unbelievable art collection. This dude overpays like crazy for art. They say that his art collection is worth upwards of $1 billion. I think he he has like a frozen shark inside of a gigantic tank and then some other bullshit, you know, modern art statues. Either way, I digress. Let's not get into it. You know, um, I'm,
2: I'm honestly surprised you didn't give him a third nickname after you said Uncle Stevie and just called him, like, Uncle Art Curator or something like that and started with the art. I thought that's where you were going to go
0: with the it. The art, I mean, it really is a top priority top priority for me, but the show must go on. Other thing in the front office, and this is a bit more of a serious thing. We had hired Jared Porter as our general manager um, a few months back. This was an analytics-based guy who was involved in the front office for both the Red Sox World Series teams in 04, 07, and 13, as well as the Cubs front office when they won the World Series in 2016. So this dude had quite the track record. Um, but what we didn't know is that he was a literal piece of human dog shit uh, while he was with we the Cubs. We did not know that at so all. So this story just came out about three days ago. Um, came out in the evening that while he was with the Cubs back in 2016, he met this foreign female sports reporter in an elevator. They, you know, happened to exchange numbers. They sent a couple texts back and forth. She seemed pretty short with him. I know she kind of had some broken English. Um, This dude was just a grade-A creep. Ended up sending her, like, 60-plus texts in a row, unanswered. Pictures of his crotch and, like, the bulge of his probably less-than-average-sized peen. Um, Classic, you know, creep messages like, Hello, beautiful, the kind of shit that you'd see from, like, a middle-aged guy commenting on an Instagram model's post uh after you know a couple of these she sent something this is extremely inappropriate which to which he apologized um but you know still this shit ended up coming out three days ago by the morning steve cohen and sandy alderson said this dude is gone they terminated it you know like nine hours after it happened um which in my opinion they kind of handled it perfectly Some people were saying that it was nine hours too late, but you got to understand that there are logistics involved in this shit when you're firing someone. So, you know, either way, you can't complain too much. This is definitely, you know, an issue that is rampant, I think, in baseball, in sports in general, you know, but definitely baseball in particular. You really see a lack of a female presence across both, you know, front office as well as just, you know, coaching staff positions. I'm sure, you know, there are plenty that are – looking and applying for these jobs and definitely who were interested outside of Kim Ng, the new owner of the, uh, or the new GM rather of the Marlins, you really don't see, I don't think any females in position, positions of power in any front office. And you know, there's a couple, you know, small coaches here and there, uh, there was someone, I think with the Giants, uh, um, a woman who coached, uh, she was like a third base or first base coach for an exhibition game. Beyond that, you know, she like you know, they had too many coaches on the roster. She couldn't even hang on in the dugout. So overall, like this is just something I think that definitely needs to be addressed. Um, in the presser with Sandy Alderson, one of the reporters, she asked, you know, did you have any females who had applied, you know, for the job? Or did you interview any females? And he kind of seriously said, you know, no. And you could tell there was a little bit of kind of remorse in the way that he uh, had responded. Um, I think it's definitely something that he, as well as, Plenty of other um, front office characters across the board will begin to now think about um, and be a bit more proactive. I think of trying to get you know females involved in the sport, both in front office and from a coaching perspective, because you know they definitely they oftentimes are much more level-headed than us men. I can guarantee you that. Uh, you guys have any, any any comments or anything about this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would just echo everything you said. Um, I think that this was a disgusting incident, and hopefully it's eye-opening um, across the league in terms of driving change. Um, I, I think that clearly there's there's a massive problem here. Um, this guy was a well-respected baseball executive who, you know, when he got hired, everything that you saw coming from every single reporter was you know, about his character and how great he is and that he was being groomed for this and that, you know, he was this just excellent guy. And, you know, behind the scenes, unfortunately, he he really wasn't. Um, and it sounds like, you know, this is I, I want to say is it's not this is not a a wall Mets situation, because the truth of it is that the Mets did their due diligence? Yes, they made a mistake by not, you know, asking women about his character and things like that. Um, but at the same time, this is this is a really big issue. I'm I'm glad that the Mets got rid of him quickly. I think you're entirely right about the logistics of this thing. Um, and hopefully this really urges those around the sport to take a, a long hard look in the mirror and you know make sure that that things like this stop happening uh, because quite frankly it's just unacceptable
2: yeah I definitely agree and I think the biggest thing that comes to light here um, obviously I would echo everything you guys said mm. but it really shows that baseball is like the prime definition of what they mean when they say boys club yeah like there is zero consideration for women in these positions when you know there have been plenty of women who have shown that they are fully c- capable and qualified to handle these roles and are super knowledgeable and you know can do the job as equally as well or better than the men who get these jobs yeah um so i think that it's good that this came to light. I mean, obviously, it sucks for the Mets, but this isn't just about the Mets. This is, like, about a broader issue. Mm. So I'm glad that it came to light and you could get one of these snakes out of the game yeah. and start to make it a more comfortable environment for women and a place where they want to be. I mean, the woman who came forth to t- that had the harassment done to her, mm-hmm. she said a large part of the reason why she got out of Baseball. She's now working in finance, mm. is because of what happened to her. You don't want to right. create an environment where people work doing stuff, right? And I think that hopefully this can lead the way to kind of eradicating uh, this behavior yeah. within the league. Totally. Um, so, I also I know like, this isn't a dating podcast, but I have to say that was some of like the creepiest shit that i think oh, any guy like, could ever on. do in their entire life i listen it's one thing you want to shoot one dm you want to shoot a text like shoot your shot yeah. but take a hint i get uncomfortable if i send two unanswered texts yeah. this guy did th- this guy shoot did 31 times drinks. past the normal limit of uncomfortability yeah 31 times That's unbelievable imagine brutal. that like how where is the shame where is your like your awareness it's insane
0: but yeah he's a, I think uh, it's childish it's it's inappropriate it's stupid and it's just it unfortunately it's I think historically just been accepted and just you know been a thing that women don't speak up when this happens because you know they run the risk of tarnishing their career which is completely unfair and fucked up so ideally and hopefully you know we will continue to grow and move on from this um, and you know, we encourage anyone to speak up. If anyone has any questions that they would like to submit, or anything in particular that they would like us to talk about or discuss on the pod, feel free to send them in. We got the Twitter account. Uh, I don't remember the name, but you can find it somehow.
2: I think it's Train Underscore Big Dog. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, moving
0: on from Jared Porter, Jared Porter, Jared Porner, let's call him, uh, is. That's a great slip-up. Tiny, disgusting, insecure schlong. Let's move on. Because there have been a couple moves uh, from the players' side of the discussion when it comes to the Mets. We had a couple signings earlier in the offseason. James McCann signed a four-year, 40-mil contract with the Metsies. He's the catcher who was on the White Sox last year. Overall, I consider this a pretty fucking good deal. You know, McCann is a defensive catcher. He does his homework he studies analytics. He's a great clubhouse presence, according to all of his former teammates. Uh, so, in my opinion, this is huge for the Mets. You know, it avoids overpaying a guy like Real Mudo potentially, um, but still getting a very solid piece behind the plate. Beyond McCann, the other big signing was Trevor May, a relief pitcher who has been with Minnesota since 2014. We signed him for two years, 15 and a half mil. He's a 31-year-old, so he's been around the league for quite some time now. He's not necessarily a top-tier, tier one reliever, but certainly a solid addition to the pen. Given, albeit small sample size, last year uh, he had a 40% whiff rate, along to you know to go with a high three ERA. So, you know, overall, I think this is a another solid signing just to bolster the pen. The next big thing that happened recently, which was kind of overshadowed in the recent Joe Musgrove to San Diego trade. Um, the Mets slid into that and managed to get a little bit of depth in the rotation by getting the newest Italian stallion on the Mets, Joey Lucchese, the new Ricardo Porcello, you could say, we always have Mets. We have
2: to have a staple Paisan on this podcast, if no there, matter what. If there so ain't we no for Porcello? <laughs> if there ain't no
0: Paisan, there ain't no Mets. I mean, that, that, that's that's right. it and that's all. It's that simple. This dude... I mean, in this trade, we essentially gave up nothing. So, in my opinion, this was a very, very smart move. We gave up this dude, Andy Rodriguez, who's some no-name-catching prospect, sack of absolute duty in the back of the pantaloons. Joey Lucchese. I mean, this is not going to make, like, a groundbreaking impact by any means, so I don't want to talk him up too much. He- he's our five guy. He could be our five guy. With lo- He's a loaded burger. We're talking all the fixings are free when you eat a five guy's. And the amount of peanuts that you could get—it's uncomparable. So when you're talking a five guy Berg fifth starter,
2: hes, he's a good depth move. i, I don't think it's—it's it's much more than that. But he will be a great swing man for the Mets. He can go from long relief. He could be mm-hmm. the fifth starter if there's there's a small injury. This, this, he could fill in. This dude was he, also a really, good
0: move. This dude was also really solid in 2018, 2019. He had like a low four ERA. And, If you get a guy with a low 4 ERA, I mean, as your 4-5 starter, I'm fucking happy with that. Beyond those three signings, McCann, May, and Joey Lucchese, obviously, there is some motherfucking blockbuster trade that happened. Uh, Last week, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this was big time. We call this the Lindy Hop Carrasco fiasco. The Metsies managed to <laughs> swindle the Indians and got Francisco Lindor, A.K.A. Frankie Lindy Hop, and Carlos Carrasco, A.K.A. the Cookie Rascal Man himself. What did we give up? We gave up Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, obviously our two young infielders, as well as some other prospects: Josh Wolf, Isaiah Green. I don't know too much about those guys. You I know, mean, I think they're solid, got potential. Olden, I don't know if you know shit about them, but
2: yeah, I, I, what I'll say about that trade. And I think it's a very good trade from the get go. Lindor, best shortstop in baseball, switch hitter, elite glove, solid speed, will swipe you twenty bags a year. Mm. Uh great clubhouse guy, great energy. There's nothing there's no downside to having Lindor on your team.
0: Yep. Um He's the best short I he's mean, the best shortstop in the league.
2: The only way I'll call it a swindle is if they uh if they extend Lindor. Yeah, of, Bef- of course. Like if, if I, I think well, almost at this he, point it's, it's expected. At this point, I think it's expected. It's expected, but you you can't say ever, anything's ever a hundred percent. So I'm not going to call it a swindle. yet. We have the richest uh, owner in baseball now. I agree. I agree. Come on. I, I think it'll, I think it'll happen, but I just don't want to jinx it and say it's a swindle yet. The man is a defensive uh, wizard and has offensive prowess. You got to sign amazing. him long term. I would say that in the trade, I'm cool with Rosario going. I'm cool with Josh Wolf going. Jimenez, Ruby I think Garcia. he's going to be. And Mendes is gonna be a really good shortstop, uh, but he's not gonna be anything what Lindor is like, so I'm cool with that. And Isaiah Green is a nice prospect. I think he's super athletic. It would be nice to have another center field prospect. yeah fuck him. P. Crow Armstrong, but fuck at him. the end of the day, Lindor, Carrasco, both worth these prospects.
0: Yeah, Carrasco is a stud. Four years ago, this dude was a top five Cy Young uh, finisher. Last year had a 2.9 ERA. Pretty much every year, you know, outside of 2019, when he was literally diagnosed with fucking leukemia, the dude had an ERA in the low threes. So you got to like what you're seeing from Carrasco. Big dog, it looks like you have something to say.
1: I do. Uh, so I, th- I think this is a great trade for the Mets. Um, there's no doubt about that. Frankie Lindor, uh, not only are you getting a, a great player, but he's obviously just a, a great crowd draw. Um, yep. So from a savvy businessman like Steve Cohen, Makes a lot of sense to get a a guy like that. have to say that. I think what's interesting, though, is, you know, one of the great what-ifs of this trade is that, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're never going to get to know if if Ahmed Rosario could have turned into that great center fielder that the Mets have been been looking for for so long. It's (laughs) a ridiculous take. It's a ridiculous take that you had last (laughs) year that Ahmed Rosario should play center field for the Mets. So I, I have a question for both of you guys. <laughs> I probably have Frankie an answer. L- it's probably an I wish I was savvy enough answer. to
2: bring back the clip to put into this. No, no, no. We don't need that. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's a, well, the, the listeners know. You can uh, it um, they, know you can they know. They know, I, they know. They know the jab. They know it was. They know it was welcome. Excuse they me. knew it was coming. Uh, so my question for both of you is this: What is it, Frank? Frankie Lindor, obviously. Oh, Frankie Lindy, He's he was probably the best player acquired. Uh, you know, this this offseason in terms no of like his, his age and, and everything. Well he hasn't been the best over the last couple of years. But I uh, here here's a question for you. The, the Mets go into this year. off season. Kind of shit one he been. has I mean he hasn't been. Look at his he stats versus some of the other guys who have played over the last couple of years, he hasn't been as good as them. I mean it's he was just very the truth. very
2: good in twenty nineteen.
1: I think it's a he, ridiculous he, statement, uh, big dog. I don't think it is at all. Um, but okay. There's some very good players that were acquired so far this this offseason. Um but anyway, He's before you so in rudely the
0: MVP voting for the last like half decade.
1: Okay, wow. and DJ LeMay, who has been 3 and 4 in the MVP okay, voting the last on, 2 years. Ask so ask your question. Ask your question. Let me, let me ask, ask my fucking question ask over the here. Jesus. Go Christ! Ahead. Fuck you. Go Getting ahead. And so defensive. I said go the go guy ahead. hasn't been the best player acquired <laughs> over the last 2 years. Unbelievable. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I'm gonna direct this at, at Olten, actually. Put you in timeout. Uh, Matt from Hoboken. We've talked extensively about this offline. Um, the Mets acquire Lindor, um, but you know, their two their two bigger needs heading into the offseason were center fielder, which has been going on for like four or five years at least. Jackie Bradley, baby, come um, on. I couldn't, I couldn't even hear the stupidity that was coming out of your mouth during that. Um, so, knowing that, like catcher and center fielder, you had George Springer available, you had JT Realmuto no. available, and the Mets decide that their big acquisition, to this point, because Springer's gone, Realmuto's not coming. Him. We didn't want him. Was not going to be one of those positions. How do you feel about that? Um, You know, obviously Lindor's the best player of those three, but how do you feel about that concept that they didn't choose to, you know, secure the positions that they needed most, like the elite guys?
2: Um, To me, as much as I've been dying for the Mets to be big fish hunters for so long, uh, ever since the Madoff scandal. So to not go and get one of the free agency, like big hitters like that, Um, it wasn't, like, the best feeling, but at the same time, the Mets had a ton of holes coming to the season, Uh, a lot of them pertaining to defense, and I think what the McCann signing and the Lindor trade, I mean, Rosario was one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball, and Lindor is, like, a platinum glove shortstop. So just the upgrade from that is going to be a big difference. Yep. And now you know, you've know you given yourself the flexibility to go out and say, okay, we don't need a heavy hitting center fielder because the rest of our lineup is so deep. We could sacrifice hitting and center for a top-notch defender, a guy who's a little more athletic can cover yes. a lot of ground out there. And you're also improving your left field defense by moving Nimmo from center field where he's mm-hmm. abysmal, he's just so much more valuable in left field. I think that allowing yourself to have the flexibility to move positions around like that and increase your defense is probably better for your team long term than going out and just signing one big player.
0: Which which is huge, especially the fact that we didn't get Springer because we all know that Georgie Porgie put in a pie, kissed the girls, and took a big old fucking Duke in his pantaloons is a cheating. Sack of shit and a big ol' fest, And we don't want that negative morale on the team. But just like Matt from Hoboken, no joking, stated that, you know, avoiding that big money siding allows us to, you know, pursue other opportunities, you know, in terms of extensions. I know we're looking to, you know, potentially to extend Conforto um, in terms of pitchers, you know, Thor and Stroman by the end of the year are going to be, you know, up for free agency. So extending them as well. Or you know just one of the two. Obviously Lindor is another huge thing. So to me, you know Lindor is the number one priority in terms of extensions, and that not signing Springer gives you more flexibility to do that. And then also you know Conforto and potentially either Thor or Strowman depending on how their seasons go this year. Right? I, I
2: would say I would say the only things to focus on in terms of extensions are obviously Lindor and Conforto. I, I don't think that there is going to be any sort of mm-hmm. extension for Strowman in the works. Uh, And Thor is like the biggest question mark we'll on see. the face of the earth right now Yeah, that's fair, we'll he's,
1: see I also don't think they're getting an extension done with Conforto um, Before he hits free agency He's a Boris client uh, I just don't think it's happening I, I think Lindor is a done deal already But I think Conforto I think Conforto is uh, He's, he's going to hit free agency
2: Well I, I don't disagree
1: We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but Jackie Bradley Jr.
0: I guarantee is going to be a Met in the next two weeks. Calling it.
2: I would be fine with Jackie a perfect Bradley. Fit. Perfect fit. Defense. It's not a perfect. It's not a perfect fit. Similar. It's a to, good fit. He's like it's a not Kevin perfect. Pillar kind of guy. It's good.
0: It's a good fit. He's sim- like a Kevin Pillar kind of guy. You know, insane, if, if, he was, if he was a outfielder. righty. If mm-hmm. he was
2: a righty hitter, I would say it'd be a perfect hit. Okay. That's why I think a trade for Har- someone like Harrison Bader would be the perfect fit. Mm. You get like a younger guy. Super athletic, super speedy, great defender. Yeah. Hasn't really proven much with the stick, but like I was saying before, you don't need some guy who's going to come it. up and hit a bunch of dongs. So I think Bader would that. be a better fit yeah. than Bradley. But yeah, we'll yeah. Off-
0: yeah. O- offense. is not the. Pr- I mean, la- dude, last year we had one of the best offenses in baseball, and over the last like half decade, we've had the single worst defense in baseball. So to me, defense is the more priority. You know, not a guy like like Springer who has great defense, but also you're signing him for his bat. You know we have plenty of offense. that to me that's not the you know glaring issue. So I, I am more than happy with all of the moves that have ended up happening and the moves that did not end up happening, like Springer, that s- sack of shit. Um, are we good to move to a word from our sponsors? I think we should move to a word from our sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, and now a word from our sponsors. Plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, 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 fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Who the fuck is Speedy them. Bubbles? That's their guy? Oh, what? A relief what? Is. what a relief. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Pause. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your old pal Speedy. The Alka-Seltzer are... Crazy motherfucker, I've never heard of that dude. Uh, but I do know Alka Seltzer, and I know that when you got a sore tummy and you feel a little bit of, does it work for acidity too? I don't know. I think so. Either way, you got a little bit of acidity. You got a, you know, a little, uh, stomach's not feeling great. That's what I'm trying to say. You got to drink Alka Seltzer in mass quantity, because what will that do? Well, I'll tell you what it's gonna do. It's gonna give me a little bit of fizz, a little bit of plop, and then you're gonna plop right down into the turlet bowl and drop a big old-fashioned and your stomach is going to feel unbelievable folks that is just how it goes
1: mike do you drink seltzer uh no but i do have uh plopperoni pizza every single friday night a little plopperoni okay. it's a delicious treat. So
0: that's that's actually a very interesting concept because if you top the pizza with alka seltzer that's essentially well, you're, well, you're not you're not canceling out it,
1: oh. but you're not topping it you're plopping
0: it Right. I mean, you have to plop it, of course. But if you put it right on top of the pizza, maybe slide it underneath the pepperoni, I feel like you're killing two birds with one stone. I mean, that's the most efficient way to eat pizza because you're guaranteed to get a little bit of uh, gastrointestinal issues after you eat a lot of a very oily pepperoni pizza. If you put the Alka-Seltzer in it... You're
1: getting out in front of the problem. You might be onto something here, big dog. Plopperoni pizza, baby. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, a relief it is. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to have the alka
0: Seltzer, and you absolutely have to suck it. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I apologize, but we have to move on to everyone's least favorite segment. We're talking Yanks. Uh, The evil empire in the Bronx, everyone hates to see it, but the big dog has to suck it. Big dog. Obviously, a couple uh, recent moves by the Yanks. I think the big one that you would like to talk about... Maybe first is re-signing your favorite boy, DJ LeMahieu, to quite a solid deal from the Yanks. It looks like fucking highway robbery, some may say. Um, Talk to me.
1: Well, it was a long, grueling negotiation as a Yankees fan. Every single day we were hoping for an update and we just weren't getting them. And uh, around December 25th, all we were saying was that all we want for Christmas is LeMay Hugh baby. And finally, <laughs> Brian Cashman delivered it. He delivered it uh, and he came in with an unbelievable deal, six years for $90 million for a saying? man who previously uh, signed a two year $24 million contract um now he gets a 3 million dollar a year raise for the next 6 years of his career to stay in the Bronx. This is what, a man
0: 30, 32 he is.
1: 32. I think he's going to be 33 in July. Um so yeah, I mean he's he's on the wrong side of 30. But he has the type of game that I think will age well. He's not a, a power hitter. he's a he's a bat to ball, low strikeout, put the ball in play, spray the ball all over the field type of player. Um, you know, that that makes some people say he he's an old school type because you can't really shift against him. I think he's probably one of the only players in the league who you really just cannot shift against. Um, and if you've been watching the Yankees for the past couple of years, if you've been listening to this show for the last couple of years, you know how imperative. DJ LeMay, is to the Yankees. Um, they have a lineup full of guys who swing and miss, actually way less than you think. Um, they, they don't rank that highly in in strikeout percentage anymore. Hmm. Um, but the fact of the matter is that the Yankees needed to get this done. This was a marriage that needed to continue. And what's interesting about the deal is that the, the reporting that we were hearing throughout the negotiations was that the Yankees wanted LeMahieu back, but they wanted him back on their terms. They wanted—they did not want to go above four years. Wow, we're, we're really, uh, all right, we're going. They did not want him uh, for more than four years. You know, makes sense given the age. Um, and, and you were thinking that what would get this done was like four years, 100 million, something like that. You know, give yeah. him the high AAV. He's definitely worthy of it. He's earned it. Um, he's been one of the best players in baseball. Uh, over the last couple of years, but instead, um, you know, trying to duck the luxury tax, seemingly cashmen, uh, highway robbery, as as Uncle Train said, uh, six years, ninety million dollars, fifteen million AAV. You're going to sign up for that every single time, really um, and it's just a, it's just insane. Especially when George Springer, who has a comparable WAR over the last two years, is going for six one fifty to the Blue Jays. It really just is I mean, Springer really is just
0: a, a cheating and selfish uh, sack of shit.
1: Right. So, really, you'd like to see Lemayhu do better than him. But Lemayhu's in a better spot. Lemayhu knows where he's going to be playing his home games next year. George Springer doesn't. Suck it, Toronto. Suck it. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is just something that needed to continue. And I'm thrilled that we finally got that one done. Come on. Next up, the Yankees turned around uh, within that same 24-hour span and signed... Corey Kluber. One year, $11 million. Contract the structure. there, folks, come on. Contract structure uh, not known yet. So this is Corey Kluber Eats. Uh, you're gonna wanna <laughs> download Uber Eats, and on days that Corey Kluber pitches, you're gonna wanna use code promo, Uncle promo Train code. Yep. and the Big Dog and order right off of Kluber Eats. Uh, only participating restaurants uh, apply. Uh, but it's a great thing. Corey Kluber was the type of guy that you'd like to see the Yankees sign. Um, two-time Cy Young Award winner. But he hasn't pitched in a couple of years. And one thing that I will say about this signing, hmm. I love the idea of it. I think it's high upside. It's not high risk. It's one year. That's all great. Yeah. Here is the problem right now. The Yankees rotation needs what I would refer to as certain innings. Mm. You need guys... Who are going to go out there and pitch you 150 innings. Corey Kluber might do that, but he also might go out there and throw one inning. Yeah. And that's a problem. You, you can't go into the season, in my opinion, with a team like the Yankees, who is who are still the class of the American League, and have Garrett Cole and then a bunch of question marks. More right. needs to be done and if this is the only starting rotation addition that the Yankees make, and I mean significant addition. I'm not talking about Julius Chessine or Asher Wojciechowski that they just signed. Yep. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm yeah, talking about you friends. need another guy who can gobble up the innings. Um, then I'll be thrilled about this signing. A Trevor Bauer kind of guy. I don't need Trevor Bauer, I, but, you know, like Masahiro Tanaka— Fan favorite. We'd love to have him back. Uh, You slot him in as the three. All of a sudden, to me, that we're not sure yet. Um, But to me, as this stands right now, if I'm just being level-headed about it, I think that the Yankees are are a great team. But you know, you're you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, last year they had problems. They need to get better. Kluber replacing Tanaka and bringing back LeMahieu, is not this team getting better? Is the upside higher? Yes. Are they better right now? No. So that leads me to my next point.
0: And they're also very different, Kluber and Tanaka, in their postseason ability. Kluber, if you look at him, you know, 2018, when they were in the ALDS, I mean, granted, it's an extremely small sample size. It was one game, but he went like four innings, gave up three dongs to the Houston Trastros sack of Dukes. Year before that, in 2017, coincidentally, up against the Yanks in the ALDS also stunk big farts. So Yeah,
1: and and actually, the, the greatest thing is that in 2017, I was at Game 4 of the ALDS. The Yankees were down 2-0 in that series, um, and they won Game 3, and then Game 4, uh, they won as well. And as we were leaving the stadium, the entire building was shaking with Yankee fans just shouting, We want Kluber! And here we go. We got him then. We get him now. We got him. It all comes full circle. Sweet serendipity, cards. folks. So, yeah, I mean, yes, that's true. But Tanaka also wasn't good in the postseason this past year. There are numbers indicating that he's having a decline. But to me, he gives you certain innings. I want Tanaka back. I would love to see him do it. I don't think it's happening. Mm-hmm. I'd put it over 90% that he's not coming back at this point, which is unfortunate because uh, he works well with the team. So here's what I want. How do you improve this roster? A couple things, or a few things. One, you gotta improve the bullpen a little bit. You do still have what many expect to be maybe the top bullpen in the game, at least the top bullpen in the American League, or up there. Um, you have the guys like Chad Green, Zach Britton, who they brought back, um, are all just Chapman, who seemingly blows it every single year in the playoffs, but is still one of the better relievers in baseball. <laughs> Um, I really don't know if I can stand another season of him smirking when he gives up a big home run to blow it. Folks, uh, you got to love
0: watching
2: that little smirk. No, it's a thing it's of beauty. It's, it's
0: an absolute thing of beauty.
1: <laughs> There's nothing
0: worse. The, 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 the torment that causes the big dog, for me, is the most
1: beautiful satisfaction. It really is just terrible. Um, I think they need another reliever. It doesn't have to be an elite reliever, but give me a guy like Trevor Rosenthal. One year... You know, one year low risk contract, let him add him to that bullpen. He can pitch some high leverage innings for you. He has closer experience. I think that's what they need. I, I don't see them playing in the market for Brad Hand, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speculate there. I think he wants a multi year deal and I I just don't see them doing that.
0: Really it's such an interesting concept when you acknowledge that you arguably have the best bullpen in the American League and you still say that there is a need to bolster the bullpen. Well, the Whereas thing is, when you have, all when you, the attention should be focused on the rotation, in my opinion. Well,
2: the thing is, since they don't have a strong enough rotation, you got to bolster the bullpen well, to make strengthen up for the your lack fucking of rotation. The front
0: end. You already have the best bullpen I, in baseball. Strengthen your fucking it, rotation.
2: It's both, though. I mean,
1: bullpens in general are are not as easy to predict. You need starters behind Garrett Cole who are going to give you innings and and go to that bullpen. And and no matter how good your bullpen is. If your starting rotation isn't good enough, you're going to continually tax that bullpen. So I'm your not disagreeing with you. Your starting rotation last year they,
0: wasn't good enough, and your bullpen was already the best in baseball. So if you just go out and get a starter, I mean, you, then you definitely don't need another
1: piece for the pen. To me, they need both. Okay. I, I think they need both. That's a teacher um, zone,
0: folks. That's a teacher zone, and that's why we stay in our, in our I, 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 I don't zones.
1: disagree with you that the starter's more important. The starter's more important. You're, you're 100% right, right on that. I, I wouldn't even be um, thinking about the
0: pen, is, is what I'm saying. I wouldn't even be thinking about it, but you know, I think they them need them to
1: because because even if they got, let's say they signed like Tanaka, who you know is going to go out there and he's gonna he's gonna He'll give in you innings, he's gonna keep you in most six, games, six. Yep. he's gonna have a couple clunkers, whatever. So even if you have him, you still have a rotation with question marks, and and you need guys in the bullpen who can throw innings and be effective. I mean, they're going to need that regardless of of what the rotation looks like because they are gonna have the guys like Montgomery who has never proven that he can throw Mm -hmm. um, deep into ball games. You're gonna be relying on the young guys like Davey Garcia and Clark Schmidt. Um, You know, to me, I I think you need both. The starter is more important. Um, And the last thing I want is a a lefty bat. Um, Crazy to me that the Yankees literally don't have one true lefty in their lineup right now. They have that short porch and right field that everyone always talks about. you know, they have but Aaron Hicks, baby, who's a switch baby. hitter. They have Aaron Hicks, who's a switch hitter. Uh, but other than Aaron Hicks, there is not one starter in the Yankees lineup that that bats left-handed. Um, just a few years ago, they were full of left-handers like D.D. Gregorius um, and Brett Gardner. Brett Gardner no longer on the team. I think Seven everyone expects that, that that might continue. But here's a guy that I'm looking at, folks. I'm looking at a guy who has some post-season, postseason experience and just absolutely mashes right-handed pitching. Doesn't need to play every day. Can split some time with my boy, Clinty Frage, mm. who is not getting traded for Luis Castillo, unfortunately. No, no offense, <clears throat> Clinty. Uh, That'd be a good move. And the guy that I'm looking at is Jock Peterson. I think Jock jams Peterson. Works oh. well for the Yankees. Um, nice lefty bat. Can, can get a lot of playing time. He's not a bad fill-in if if Judge has to miss time with injury or if Hicks has to miss time with injury, which you almost have to bake into the expectation at this point. Um, So that's what I want to do. But, you know, last thing I'll say here, Yankees are in a good spot. Um, They need to do more, though. I think that's the theme here. It's it's a great first two moves. I'm not done, though. And if this is it, I'm going to be very disappointed in how they handled this offseason um th- this is not enough you need to go get a starting pitcher you need to go get a reliever you, you need to get it. a lefty bat yep. um and at the very least like if i'm just picking one of those things i'm with uncle train on this one you need to get a starting pitcher yep. very badly
0: uh, yeah okay. yeah I-, I would i would shoot for a guy like Luis castillo but you're gonna have to uh you're gonna have to give something you know, nice and tasty in terms of some young guys i think in that deal which, hey, if you want to get, you got to give. That's the name of the game, baby.
1: Hondo P, but I am not willing to give up Glaber Torres uh, in that deal. Not worth it, in my opinion, um, for them. I I think that Luis Castillo would be great. I, I am willing to give up a lot for Luis Castillo. Um I'm not willing to give up Glaber, so I I understand why that's a non-starter for them. Mm. Um, If they can't get Luis Castillo, which I I really just don't even understand why the Reds would trade Luis Castillo. It makes no sense. Like, he's a young, controllable starter, and we're talking about less than a year ago, they were... or I, I yeah less than a year ago they're spending money like crazy on guys like Mike Moustakis and Nick Castellanos mm. and and trading for Trevor Bauer and trading for Sonny Gray and extending Sunny Gray and now all of a sudden they're they're like oh we're not good enough like you made the playoffs this year you had a great rotation I know the team isn't you know doing what you think but like why are you going to turn around and trade Luis Castillo he's the guy you should be building your rotation around not it's selling
2: very jerky mentality the, the biggest thing for me with the Reds in that situation where they're considering trading Castillo I understand you have to be open to all options if you have right. a chance to improve your team Of course, but that division is so winnable The oh, teams yeah. in that division are bad to mediocre. There's it's no horrible. good team So I don't understand the thought process of trading a Luis Castillo Who's making like four million dollars this year and has four years of control for like prospects, like right. if, if you're going to trade Castillo, you need a guy who, or multiple pieces who are going to be able to contribute to your team already every day. Yeah. Right. Which,
1: which, to be fair, is is what uh you know if the reports are correct, that is asking for Glaber plus. You know, like that correct. that right. So I I get it, but I I just I feel like it's this is a situation that we hear about every single off where. The guy's name gets floated, but unless they are just really blown away by a trade headlined by a guy like Gleyber Torres, who is already a, a multi-time all-star in his young career, they're not not—they're not going to move him. Um, so I think then the attention turns to, you know, what else could you do if you're the Yankees? Well, I, I would look at someone like Kyle Hendricks. You know, the Cubs seem to be folding. Why not mm-hmm. take a look at him? Um I really think you gotta see what you can do with Tanaka you know that he can he can pitch in the stadium um so I, I think there's some options there but there are question marks the problem is that the free agency market right now is full of question marks with the starters other than maybe Trevor Bauer, which you know they're not doing um, so then it's like Oda Rizzi and Tanaka and they both have question marks they you know they both have some injury history so I don't know hopefully they do some more. Jock. Trevor Rosenthal, and a starter. Thank you, and good night.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, on that note, a word from our sponsors. Nickelodeon. It's Nickelodeon, folks. We've got plenty of
2: plenty of shows for you.
0: In all honesty, folks, we're running out of ideas for advertisements. If you have any, send them our way. This one's about Nickelodeon. you know, it's not really an ad because we just
1: kind of like the, the little quick little jingle. Nick,
0: Nick, 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 Nick.
1: So, so I do like we're we're obviously both humongous Nickelodeon guys, Nick, Nick um, heads, if you will. Yeah, Nick heads. Nineties <laughs> <laughs> Nickelodeon, Uncle Train and I are two of the bigger fans that you'll ever see. One thing that I don't get. Think gets talked about enough, and I, I don't even know if we've ever talked about it. The host of the network was a face. Face. That would just no, randomly no, no, no. That, that, change. No,
0: that was only Nick Jr.
1: Nick Jr. Right.
0: Yeah. Hi there. But that shit was fever. crazy. Yeah. That was crazy. Burp, burp, burp. That was face. That's what he did. <laughs> and he would, you know, in between Blue's Clues and uh and Little Bear, which it was an unbelievable show.
1: Little Bear. Oh. Great show!
0: The, the big shout out to whoever was the composer, musical director for Little Bear. Very uh, unique. Uh, I don't even know what the fuck the instrument was. Probably used a synthesizer for some of that shit. But either great way, show. Little Bear, great show. Blues clues, great show. That's all, Nick Jr. You know, that's early in the day. You stay home from school, Franklin Jr. Hey, it's Franklin. S- that's a that's another great one. Oldie but good, good. Tune.
1: good tune.
0: That was before you know Caillou, that bald fuck. You know we, oh, this, this was the golden stung. age. Of Niccolia, that guy you know? was Caillou was a big old stank fest. Oh, but then you graduate from show. Nick Jr. and you're you're talking you know we're talking shows like Hey Arnold and Doug, Rocko's Modern Life, Rugrats. <laughs> uh, Rocket Power. Then we're talking the game shows Double Dare, Legends of the Hidden Temple, Nick Arcade, Finders Keepers, late 80s shout out. How we do? I mean, uh, just an abundance of game shows that were really the golden age of Nickelodeon, no question. Um, you got hosts like Kirk Fogg, Mike O'Malley, Mark Summers. I mean, these were the kings. Did oh. You just leave out Summer Sanders. Yeah, how do you leave Summer out Summer Sanders. Sanders? The the Summer Sang Olympic Unbelievable. swimming <laughs> goddess herself. I mean, Summer so, Sangies, really. Christ, Christ Almighty. I was actually on um, Slam Time Live. I wasn't one of the contestants. I was in the audience.
2: But my my uh... so was Marcus Stroman. Fun fact. Really? Yeah. I'm gonna look that up. Or no, he was the Figure It Out guy. Sorry, that's he awesome. He was in the crowd for Figure It
0: Out. Well, oh, he was in the crowd. Oh yeah, no, I remember that. I remember that. Figure it out. That was a great show. That was a great show. It
2: was. Uh, also, quick shout out to the ferryman on First in Hoboken for hosting a Nickelodeon trivia night last night. Wow.
1: Whoa. No invite wow. for the boy.
2: That is I didn't go. Uh,
0: you were gonna say you gotta be careful. Well, I, om- go. I almost went, but I didn't go. But you didn't get. You didn't go because you don't want to get infected by the Roner. Did you get him? Did you hey. get uh, a va- vaccinated yet? I get part two on Monday, baby. Wow, it's wow. big time, ladies and gentlemen. We are a COVID-free podcast. Matthew. Mazel baby. That's huge. Come on. All right, we're getting way off topic. We're gonna close this advertisement, which really is not an advertisement. Come on, boy.
1: Red Robin. <laughs> yep. uh, okay, ladies
0: and gentlemen, we're back <laughs> with the. Arguably the greatest segment in Subway series, Uncle Train and the Big Dog, featuring Matthew from Hoboken, no joke, in history. It is a fan favorite. We're talking realistic or real big duty stick. This is a segment where we give a couple hypotheticals and we will give our analysis on whether we think it's something that is realistic that could happen in this upcoming season or is it just a real big duty stick and there's no chance in hell that that will come to fruition. Big dog.
1: All right, so realistic or real big duty stick. Reports surfacing that the Dodgers are still in play for Trevor Bauer. So I ask you guys, Trevor Bauer to the Dodgers, is that realistic or is that a real big duty stick? Hoboken,
0: though, joking, you seem to be chomping at the bit here.
1: He's chomping, folks.
0: Give me a little chomp of rune. What's your outlook here?
2: Uh, for me? well, for I, The Dodgers clearly have the money to spend. No question. on Trevor Bauer. They got money it. Money They blow. got fat stacks. Uh, however, I think... Popeyes. That's the advertising the, we should do. The history... Love
0: that chick from Popeyes. All right, sorry. I just That's thought a good of that. one. Just good thought of that. Okay, well, that'll go next episode. It's good. Uh, yes, old That's me. good. Yes. That's uh, good. All right,
2: Matt. Uh I think that the tendencies and the history of this current front office show that they are not going to be willing to meet any astronomical terms that Bauer will probably be asking for. And the only reason I say that at this point is because we are now almost at the end of January. There's barely been any rumors about him. And I think he's starting to realize that this process isn't... One, what it used to be or be nearly as fun as he thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And for him to take a short-term, high AAV, and then have to do this again yeah. in two, three years at age 33, 34, uh, it's not the smartest move for him, and it's not going to maximize his potential earnings. Yes. So for me, this one's a real big duty stick. I don't see it happening. You know, I'm going to have
0: to agree with you on the real big duty stick take. Yeah. Um, you know could it happen do they have the money of course but when you, when you think about it I think you make a good point in that it's not in his best interest you know uh and it's also in my opinion not in the Dodgers best interest I mean I think if they want to spend the money they could spend it elsewhere you know trying to add another uh bullpen piece or you know trying to add um another piece to their lineup which they really don't even need you know um You look at their rotation already, and they have Kershaw, you know Walker, Texas Ranger, Bueller, David Price, Dustin May. These are guys that are, you know Dustin May has I think over the last two years just proven that he is a bona fide stud. I trust him. Kershaw, obviously, you know what you're going to get out of that. Walker, Texas Ranger, you know another stud in the lineup. David Price, a little bit old, maybe past his prime, but still, these are four guys that if you throw Walker, you know I mean uh, uh, Trevor Bauer into the mix, to me, it's just unnecessary. Um, Now, have I seen unnecessary moves by by teams where they just start to spend like crazy to get a top-notch guy? Yeah, of course. So could it happen? Yeah, it could happen. To me, I just don't see it happening. I'm going to go with real big duty stick on this.
1: Uh, So I I think what's interesting here, and you both bring up some some very good points, um, I'll add one more into the mix about why the Dodgers actually uh, could could make sense here. Um, So the Dodgers have done just an incredible job, a world-class job in creating payroll flexibility for themselves. I believe after 2022, they actually don't have any real money on the books other than Mookie Betts. Wow. Uh, so if you factor that in, they really can be in play for, for any real free agent this this offseason. They're also a very wealthy franchise. Um, and yet still, I find myself saying... Uh, real big duty stick here i think it's a real big duty stick i think yep. we have seen andrew friedman he doesn't give out these long-term contracts often yes he did it for mookie bets but let's be realistic here and not a real big duty stick here i'd love to be. uh trevor bauer and mookie bets are not of the same value they're not cut from the same cloth sorry psycho t you're a great pitcher but you're not mookie bets um I think what's where this could happen for the Dodgers and the only way it's happening for them is if he is willing to take a short-term deal like he said Mm. uh, a year ago on MLB Network that he was only going to sign one-year deals um, for a high AAB, then yes, I can see the Dodgers doing it. I think at the end of the day, I think some of what Olton said is correct. I think he doesn't think this process is fun anymore. I mean, how could he? Happens to be like the worst off season for him to have been a, a free agent, especially with that one year mentality. Because mm-hmm. I do think that if he was really willing to do that, and even still in this economy, or in this climate, I in should say, in this economy, folks, in this economy, Here I think if now? if he was <laughs> if he was really willing to take a one year deal, there would be a lot of teams involved. The yeah. bidding would get very high, like approach forty million dollars a year high um but yeah i mean i just don't think he's actually taking that deal and if he goes Mm -hmm. with a a longer term deal at what what still should be a a high aav i don't think he tops garrett cole's 36 a year like he wants to in reports um this is going to be a real big duty stick uh so we all agree it's a unanimous
0: a a unanimous real big duty stick of it's a unanimous
1: Real big duty stick. Is, all right, is, it
2: safe to, is it safe to say that we all agree he's probably going to wind up on the Angels? Like the team that's, that's been constant, tried and true, linked yeah. to him since the first day of his free agency. That's, that, to uh, me, that makes the most sense. They have that money to blow, so I think it makes the most sense. They got the money to I, blow it, and
0: the need for it, too.
1: I was ready to say in in my explanation that I will believe that he's not going to the Angels when he signs somewhere else. Because it's, it's just... I, I just don't see the fit anywhere well, else. I, I think to the Angels. I I think the Mets are trying to stay under the luxury tax threshold. Mm-hmm. They got about twenty million left. I think they need to spread it around to a reliever, a center fielder, and, and a starter
0: like, like Joey Lucchese. I mean, those sorts of things right. are also indicative of this. I I, I just th- don't.
1: I don't think the Mets want to bog themselves down with a giant contract for Trevor Bauer right now. I just don't see it.
2: The biggest thing for me that was very easy telltale sign that they weren't signing Bauer is when they wouldn't offer George Springer $25 million a year. Fuck right. Bauer him. going Bauer's asking for $10 million more a year. So if they're not going to pony up for Springer, they're not ponying up for shit. Bauer.
1: Fair, fair, Uncle Train, but from a baseball perspective, George Springer's a better fit for the team than Trevor Bauer is. Okay, yeah, fair. Just from a pure baseball player. Pure baseball not from but a Not when from you a, starts a, a cheating cheating sack of Duke perspective. And,
0: and morals, he is a sack of Duke. Okay, we're going to move on to the next realistic, a real big duty stick. Folks, next one we want to debate. And this is something that I've brought up before. I believe it got nixed on the last uh, podcast. I got fucked because you guys' audio was absolute doggy doo doo. But White Sox winning the World Series. Realistic or real big duty
1: stick? Bueller. dealer I'll start, start it off.
2: I was going to let the big dog go.
1: I'll start it off. Uh, so right now, as, as things stand, I think that the White Sox on paper are either the first or the second best team in the American League. Uh, they've bolstered their rotation with Lance Lynn. Uh, they've, bolter, they've bolstered their bullpen with Liam Hendricks. And we all know that they have a young, nasty lineup so i have to say this is realistic based on what what's happening right now now i do want to say it's a there's a caveat though because i don't what's think the they're caveat? going to the caveat is that i don't think that they will win the world series because i think that that's an interesting caveat I, to the argument will they uh, win the world series well it's realistic in the sense that <laughs> <laughs> it's realistic in the sense that they could. The only right, caveat I'm to it. them winning I'm the World it. Series is them Fuck not it. winning the World Series. I, I need a clarification. It.
2: Is it will they win the World Series or can they win yeah. the World Series? Yeah,
1: will will or can. Will they. Okay, it's a real big duty stick folks. Oh. I apologize for the caveat. <laughs> well, no, They're mean, not winning uh, the World Series. You know, I get you, what you, they, they did to improve the roster. Can they
0: do it? Because, you know, it's right? if okay. they the can, will they? Right. Is that a realistic okay. prediction, or is that a real big duty stick?
1: It's a real big duty stick. It's realistic that they could. I don't think they will. You got you have a a good front three with Giolito, Keiko, and Lance Lynn. You got Liam Hendricks along with some some high upside arms in the bullpen, and you have what proved to be a, a dangerous lineup. There's a couple of things I don't like, and this is why I don't see them going all the way. Mm. It starts with Tony Larusa. I don't think the Schmuck players want to play for this fucking. guy. And I think that I think that team chemistry is something that, as fans, we can't always see it. We don't always see what happens in the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. But I'm not so sure that this team is going to have that. And I think you do need it to win the World Series. I really do. Um, and then the other thing is that part of the reason the lineup was so good this past year was Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu had a very good 60 games. He has not been consistent over the last few years. I am not sold that Jose Abreu is uh, an MVP candidate again this year. Um, And for that reason, this is a real big duty stick. They're not even going to the World Series, folks, let alone winning it. Olten? I...
2: This is tough because I don't want to continue with another real big duty stick, and we're just gonna have a segment full of real big. We're duty a podcast sticks. of duty. Sticks. I think it's a bit excessive. Because the, say the, the that problem, Jose
0: Abreu's been shit. I'm just gonna say that numbers would say. I didn't otherwise. say he's
1: been shit. I didn't say he's been shit, but I do not think he is. Like I don't think. I guess what I should in say MVP, is I don't he's think he's one MVP, of the top.
0: He's not MVP winner every year.
1: He's he's not one of the top pl- players in baseball. Like he's he's not a top twenty player in baseball for me right now.
0: No joke and continue, sorry.
2: That's that's fair because he also plays a position that's not really valuable. First base isn't the mm. most valuable position on the field. Like I, I understand where he's coming from. For me, I don't think they're going to win the World Series. I do think it's realistic that they make the World Series, mm. but I don't think they're better than any of the top three teams in the NL uh, with this current roster. You have to bank on huge jumps from guys like Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert. Which is very possible. They have a lot of potential. They're they're good young talents. But in order for them to make this huge jump, you're going to need big boost from them. I mean, I do like their bullpen, like the big dog said. High upside. You got young guys like Garrett Crochet. And then you got Aaron Bummer. Those are two very, very good lefties out of the pen. Oh, uh, Bummer. Obviously, Liam Hendricks. Uh, that was a big what signing a for them. Bummer. Kopech coming back for... Hopefully what is about bounce back. back Mike Copes, injury. baby. Come on. So, uh, can they make the World Series? Yes, but it's going to call it a big duty stick that they'll win it.
0: Yeah, okay. When I, I, You know, I, I get that argument. I, to me, I think if you can make it there, you got the chance to win it. So I'm going to say it's realistic, you know. I
1: think, if I can make, make it i anyway. anyway. To me, you
0: know, they got a similar team like the Rays, you know, who made it last year and obviously lost to the Dodgers. But... You know, on paper they're a similar kind of team they don't they don't have they got a strong rotation um they don't have any like top five superstars but you know on paper they have a very solid lineup obviously you know tim anderson jose abreu i think is still a stud you know they got the gold glove dong mashing rookie himself Luis Robert, um and uh Moncada, who low-key actually finished top 25 in the mvp voting two years ago so yoni moaning. Yoni moni. Um So either way you know I'm going to say realistic I feel like I'm overruled On the real big duty stick But you now it is what it is That's why we play the game folks
1: We'll do one more uh, Big dog What else do we got? Let's go back to a player um, And let's say Realistic or real big duty stick Chris Bryant will not be playing For the Chicago Cubs On opening day In 2021 Uncle Train Is that realistic? Or is that a real big duty stick?
0: Well, folks, um, I'm gonna say that it is a real big duty stick. Uh, you know why am I saying that? I have absolutely zero rationale as to why I would be saying <laughs> that. <laughs> um, I'll be completely Jesus honest. Christ. I really, uh, I really have have no clue. I I don't know. I I, I know really nothing about Chris Bryant's current situation.
1: So All right, good talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Oh, thing, clean it up, baby. Come on.
2: I'm going to say it is very realistic that he is suiting up for another team uh, come the, the beginning of the season. Uh, the Cubs have made it very clear that they have no intent on keeping guys who are making above a certain salary, and Chris Bryant is one of them. Uh, but, you know, when... You have a guy like John Lester who helped bring you your first championship in over 100 years, and he spent so many years with the team, and he wants to finish out his career with you, get his 200th career win, and he's not asking for a lot of money. He's only asking for about $5 million, I believe that's what he got from the Nationals. And then you tell him to go kick rocks. Mm. You're sending a very clear message to your team and your fan base of what your intention is for the season. And as much as Chris Bryant might mean to Chicago because what he's done for them for, you know, five, six seasons. uh, While he may not have been great for all of those seasons, he won an MVP. He helped them bring – he won a Rookie of the Year. He helped bring a World Series to them. Um, I think it's clear that they're going to do what they can to dump that one-year contract off. I have no idea who is going to be in the bidding for that, but I do think that somebody is going to make a move for him, especially as the price continues to lower – for him before the season starts.
1: And I will finish it out, and as much as I want to give one final real big duty stick. It's real this is duty realistic, stick, folks. folks. This is realistic, and I'm going to tell you why, and then I'm going to tell you where he's going. So it's realistic because, wow. one, the Cubs are in full reset mode. They got rid of Darvish. They're trying to clear money, and they're not going to resign him, as Olten said. Nailed that two he he came out today and said that he's not as happy playing anymore which tells me that all these trade rumors and everything it's getting to him you know he he's not loving it he's not you know he's they're not that fun loving uh brizzo that they were just a few years ago when when they looked like they might be a uh, a dynasty so I think this is realistic. If they're not going to re-sign him and he's at a high number right now, why would you keep him? You're not threatening for a World Series this year. It's time to let go of KB and he is getting traded. Much to the dismay of Mets fans to the Atlanta Braves folks. I will tell you why it makes perfect sense. You really hate to see. The it Atlanta comes. Braves. The Atlanta Braves general manager is Alex Anthopoulos. In 20 20- 19. What did Alex Anthopoulos do? He signs Josh Donaldson to a one-year, I believe it is a one-year $23 million contract. Josh Donaldson resets his value, absolutely rakes, cleans up four years, $92 million with the Twins the very next offseason. Last year, what does he do? He says, oh, you know, I, I need to replace Josh Donaldson, the bringer of rain need to get another big bat in the lineup to go along with Acuna, uh, Acuna, Freddie Freeman. So I'm gonna go with Marcelo Zuna on another one-year, $18 million contract. You're seeing a theme here. He loves the one-year, high AV for a guy who he can place in the middle of the lineup. That guy does not exist right now on the free agent market because I think Marcelo Zuna wants, uh, I think he wants a longer-term deal, might not be able to get it. So I am saying they take a shot one year, little less than $20 million for KB. Makes perfect sense for them. Um, he can play left field, fill the void left by Ozuna. I think this is a match made in heaven. I don't think he goes for nearly as much as you would think for being a former MVP. He's coming off a, a not-so-great injury-plagued year. The value isn't there. I think the Braves get this done, and I think that the Braves... Uh, we'll have another really strong lineup in twenty twenty one with KB hitting right after Freddie Free.
2: Yeah, that would suck. I mean, especially because we've seen the Mets make a lot of good progress and trying to close that gap between them and the Braves. Yeah. So to great have great progress. The Bra- so to have the Braves—that wasn't go out,
1: sarcastic. It was—it was true. They've made yeah. a lot of great progress.
2: Yeah, they have. I mean, I think it's fair to say the Mets are probably the second best team in the division right now. There's still a gap between the Braves and them, but they've definitely closed it. And to have the Braves go out and get this like low risk, barely giving up any prospects deal to have Chris Bryant try and revive his career, try and establish the love of the game, uh, you know, kind of get his mental straight. Um, and mash that would really suck and definitely it would it would hurt my soul to be honest.
1: He's a good looking dude too.
0: He is He's a good he dude. is a handsome guy. <laughs> He's a handsome guy. Can't argue with that. Cannot argue with that.
1: Handsome Chris, they're calling him. <laughs> and folks,
0: uh <laughs> on that note
2: <laughs> Let's end it.
0: <laughs> I think we're gonna end it. We're gonna end it on a handsome Chris note. You gotta tip the cap? Handsome Chris, uh, you got to love it. I mean, I'll be completely honest. You do absolutely have to suck it. That's the name of the game. Folks, if you've stayed with us for this long, we appreciate it. We appreciate you. Um, we're very, very happy that Trump is finally out of the White House. That's also a huge statement that we did not cover at the very beginning of the
1: pod that we usually do. i was proud of you for any. not
2: mentioning po- politics for a and how about into the podcast.
1: It's very difficult. How about we got the man, the myth, the legend, a fellow blue hen, Joseph Biden,
2: Uncle Joe, taking over
1: the taking no over as the head the train, honcho,
0: Uncle no relation, to Uncle Stevie, Uncle Joe, um, Uncle Joe, Sleepy Joe, but we are re- removing that moniker because I mean everyone uh,
1: likes to sleep. Everyone likes to sleep. You gotta love it. You gotta love Kamala,
0: first uh, woman vice president, first um, African American woman, uh, Asian American. It's a beautiful thing. Diversity. We're getting there. Slowly but surely, folks. Slowly but surely. And if you don't like that, you can absolutely suck it. And on that note, arrivederci, rivaducci, Love you. God bless. Come on.